Hi guys, welcome back to the Grad Life podcast. It's Isabel here, and today I'm speaking with Samuel O'Connor. Samuel attended UCD where he studied law. Upon leaving, he went on to study at King's Inns. He was called to the bar in 2017 and now practices as a barrister in general civil areas of law with a focus on commercial and chancery litigation. We'll be talking about Samuel's path to becoming a barrister and all the complexities that come with it. This podcast will hopefully be really helpful for any aspiring barristers as we chat about the confusing process of being called to the bar. Hi Samuel, thanks for being here today. My pleasure Isabel, thanks for having me. Okay, well I guess the the best place for us to start is probably um, bringing it back to when you were 17 or 18, studying for your leaving cert and you made the decision to then go in and study law. Um, What drew you to law initially? I can't really say that there was only one particular, you know, event or, or moment or anything like that that drew me into it. You know, there was no real grand um, grand design behind it. It was just one of those things, really, where you're looking at what options are available to you. And, you know, law stuck out to me as being, you know, an interesting subject, something that was going to stand me well in the long term. Um, you know, I think the cliche is true is that it is a pretty good general degree in the sense that if you have it, there's a defined career path that's open to you in, in one sense and that you can go on and be a solicitor or a barrister but similarly you can go on and work in the in the civil service or in private uh, you know industry or commerce or things like that so I think it was you know just a generally attractive degree and I had had um, I had some experience in studying it um, before I'm not sure if you're familiar with it but there's a, a thing called um, CTYI which is like summer school for exceptionally nerdy children which takes place in DCU um, every summer at least it did and uh, I did that when I was in I think probably first year or second year so um, you know 13 or 14 and you get to go to you know basically a summer camp on, on the, the campus of DCU and take um, kind of introductory classes, some of which are on, um, well, I, they're all kind of designed to mirror and third level experience. And one of them that I did was on legal studies. Now, obviously, when you when you go there, they're teaching you the uh, enjoyable and interesting things of, you know, uh, subjects of criminal law, human rights, all that sort of stuff. So um, there wasn't too much, you know, wildly on land law or commercial law being uh, discussed in those summers. But it was it was interesting. and I enjoyed it. And uh, I thought, yeah, why, why not do this? So you you didn't end up going to DCU. You ended up going to UCD. Um, was there a reason for choosing UCD or did, was it just the most convenient? Self-explanatory. It's the best in the nation by, by far. Um, no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't actually my first choice, would you believe? Um, I had an interview uh, in Oxford in St. John's College. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously I didn't, uh, didn't, it wasn't successful at the interview stage there. So I had to, I had to um, forego the dreaming spires of Oxford. And after that, really, the next best thing was the uh, the brutalist 1960s architecture of Belfield. So that was where I ended up. I don't think we can say the next best thing. I'll say one, one of the next best options. Um, so how do you find college? Uh, what did you get up to outside of studying law? I loved it. I was, um, you know, maybe maybe not as involved in the whole suite of college activities as I should have been or as you know as you know some students are but I was involved in enough things I was involved in uh, broadcast radio there so Belfield FM is the student radio station um, and I was involved in that basically throughout my throughout my time so I ended up uh, being the treasurer and then the auditor which is the station manager which is like the auditor of the, of the society so that was kind of my main my main extracurricular pursuit I was involved in other things as well you know the student legal service I did you know some volunteering with that um, but probably my main my main extracurricular Activity from a you know from a law point of view was was uh, mooting. So the mooting competition there is called the the Cecil Avery moot, um, which is you know an annual um, an annual moot for, for for law students in, in UCD. And uh, I competed in that three times. And the first time um, I wasn't so successful, 
and the second time I won it and then um, having won it and wanting to retire on my laurels my partner made me uh, compete the next year again and we, we subsequently won it again so to my knowledge I'm well at the time I was the only person to have won it uh, twice and I'm not sure if that record still stands but that I think was was very um, was very enjoyable and it was basically an invaluable experience for me in terms of um, you know deciding that a career at the bar was something that, that I'd be interested in um, it is really the, the you know the, the best way to get experience of of advocacy I think in your in your college years is to participate in the mooting competitions and um, you know e- even if even if you have no interest in a career at the bar or even a career um, in the law even if you want to go on and do something totally different I think it is it's a good experience to have you know at some stage in the course of your professional or uh, private life you will be called you know to give a speech or something like that at some stage I'm sure for the vast majority of people whether it be a presentation you know you know for your boss or um in your company whether it be a you know a best man speech or a wedding speech or you know a eulogy or anything like that you know the time will come when people will be called to to engage in some degree of public speaking or whether it be you know interviewing giving giving an interview over over a zoom call or something like that you know and um I think it's a great it's a great it's a great experience it's something I definitely would recommend for all law students to um, to do it's something which I think really probably should be a, a core component of um, of the law curriculum. I know in UCD it wasn't. You could you could totally avoid it if you didn't want to. Um, there was a specialist a number of I think specialist modules that you could take. One of which I did do with um, with James McDermott, who's a fantastic lecturer and now a colleague at the bar. Um, and uh, so it, it was an option to do, but it wasn't compulsory. And I think possibly if if uh, if the the curricular were being redesigned again, it's something which I think you know students students really should should give a go. And then the you talked about your extracurricular there, but looking at the actual actual study sitting in the library, what you're doing nine to five every day, did that live up to what you thought it would be like going into study law? Yeah, I suppose it did. Um, it's it's like anything else, you know. You can be as busy or as or as uh, or as lazy as you want to be. I think I was probably somewhere in the middle. Um, I always did, you know, fine in the exams and all the rest of it. Um, but no, I mean, UCD to me was was a tremendous, uh, you know, was a tremendous experience. I have to say, the, I mean, the facilities are second to none. I do joke about about it being the, you know, the premier legal institution in Ireland. I think really, um, there's not much, uh, there's not much separating any really of the other of the universities. I think if we're being honest about it, um, you can come out of, you know, more or less any university in the country. I think with a, with a really strong. Um, legal you know legal education and one that's going to set you up well and um, for the rest of your you know for the rest of your life and for your career and um, I know like you know my colleagues at the bar people who I was in the, the King's Inns with they came from you know every um you know you know more or less every university in the country um so and again not many of them or well not, not not many of them but not all of them even did uh even did law you know so it's it's, it's by no means a, a barrier to um to, to entry to the profession and not even having done a law degree so you can you, you can have done anything and, and still uh, and still succeed but i think i think i think ucd the one thing that i would say does set it apart uh, if i can be so rude from trinity is the the new the new law building I mean, the southern school of law is just a fantastic facility it really is absolutely tremendous i was lucky enough to have um to have experienced it for the last two years of my uh, of my studies and it, it is second to none as far as as far as i can see in terms of the facilities i mean when i talk about the mooting there's a purpose-built um moot court in the building uh, which you know to me it's definitely it's it is or was unique in Ireland at that stage the lecture facilities were fantastic and the library was fantastic so yeah I couldn't I couldn't fault the UCD experience at all. Yeah well I can't argue with that um, so you graduated from UCD and you chose the barrister career path um, why not the solicitor you know there's there's a big argument for going down the solicitor career path. 
No, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, it's certainly, I think, probably the more attractive um, prospect when you're straight out of law school. Um, I don't think I could argue with that uh, from a practical point of view. I mean, for me, you know, I enjoyed the mooting. That was something that I was, you know, I had some degree of, you know, natural um, talent for, I suppose. Um, you know, even when I was in when I was in secondary school and in primary school, you know, the, the, you know, I was I was involved in debating. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, um, you know, uh, amateur dramatics. So I was involved in all of the the various different shows when I was in secondary school, and um, I enjoyed, I suppose not being the center of attention, but, uh, but, you know, I think, I think if you want a career at the bar, you have to be comfortable enough being in the spotlight because, you know, when you are there in the, in the court, you're advocating on behalf of your clients um, you're, you're the center of, of the world for that moment in that place at that time. Now it might be the case that, you know, the, the vast majority of people in there aren't listening to you because they're concerned about their own case, you know, they're, they're reading their own notes or whatever. They're just, you know, if they're, if they're, you know, a, a party to the litigation that's on after you, they're looking at the window or daydreaming or something like that. But, you know, the, the, the effect is still, is still there in your mind that you are the one who's speaking and you're in a room of, you know, maybe 50 people or so. So, you know, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, uh, not necessarily the sound of my own voice, but, you know, I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed being, front and center and 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 particularly with the debating i enjoyed that immensely so i think those were you know where my natural where my natural skills uh, lied and uh, that was you know why i said well so i might as well give um give the bar a crack so you left ucd and then you went to king's inns and i think there's this kind of mystery around king's inn for law students um, maybe it's because so few students actually go on to become barristers so what's the process then of applying to King's Inn or getting getting started in King's Inn? That's a great question because it's something that um, it's something that you know isn't really discussed that much in terms of you know the careers you know opportunities the careers fairs. I remember when I was in UCD and um, they'd have you know big uh, halls filled out in in the student centre um, for you know Law Careers Day and you'd have representatives there from all the firms and indeed from firms um, you know in the UK in London would have their representatives over and there was you know as far as I can recall I don't remember speaking to anyone from the bar I'm not even sure if they send an outreach you know person out there or whatever but it definitely is second fiddle in terms of you know the milk rounds and the sort of preoccupations which um which the rest of the law students tend to have um and even myself I think it was it was somewhat of a of a of a boat in the dark you know I went on the website and I figured out what you needed to do and I think I talked to one or two other people who were applying who I knew were applying but I mean that was it well there were you know I think there were I say maybe maybe five of us I think from my year who ended up going down out of a out of a year of you know in excess of a hundred so you are in the in the very small minority, um, but I mean the process itself is at least in my day which was you know what some five or six years ago whatever it is but it was um, it was it's quite an intense it's quite an intense um, application process in that you have to sit entrance exams and again at least when I did it the entrance exams were I think five exams one after the other in consecutive days, Monday to Friday, you cover all of the core topics that you would have done in your undergrad. Um, but the, the, the difficulty with them, I think, is not so much in their, in their content or in their complexity, um, but just in, in the fact that you have to sit them, as I said, you know, one after the other, sort of war of attrition style. And I did notice, and I think it's probably a frequent occurrence, that the numbers drop off um, from the Monday to the Friday. So they are uh, sat uh, in in the in the in the examination hall in the dining hall in the in the King's Inns, surrounded by you know quite uh, uh, quite uh, luxurious um, paintings and, and wood panelings and you know all all the trappings that go with that. And you're sat at a desk taking the exams um, from Monday to Friday. 
and by the Friday, the numbers generally have, have petered off quite a bit with people who maybe um, didn't think that they got on so well in, in the early exams and decided not to return for the rest of them. So uh, that's just something that I would, I would generally advise against. I know it's, it's, it's easier said than done, but if, if, uh, if someone is thinking about taking the exams and they feel like they've had a bad day on the Monday or the Tuesday and that they had an exam that didn't really go their way, you know, my advice would be just, just try and just try and grind it out. Just come back the next day anyway and do the exam because you know you never know how how poorly you did. Um, and I think students can tend to be, or you know, people can tend to be a little bit fatalistic about these things. They can overemphasize, um, you know, the negative points in an exam or whatever. Um, when really they probably you know did fine, or you know they could have just just got there, just there or thereabouts. Um, so again, if I'm giving advice to students who are sitting in the exams, I'd say whatever you do, just just come in Monday to Friday and, and sit sit the things because even you know even if you did have a horror exam and and you failed. Um, it'll give you, you know, it'll give you the confidence to come back the next time and say, well, listen, you know, I, at least I got them out of the way. I did all five of them and I can come back and, and sit them again. And I think you can also pass by compensation and, and one or two of them or something. So if, if you just about fail one um, you can you can boost that up if you do well enough in, in the others. So, um, yeah, that's the that's the entrance exam. So uh, quite, quite daunting. But at the same time, I think not not as not as scary as maybe I've made it out to be because the content really isn't that isn't that difficult. That's what I'd impress on people. It's it's nothing it's nothing more complicated than you've already sat and passed as an undergrad. And is it like the FE ones where you need to take time off before you go and sit them, or or is it very much straight from college into the exams? No, no. So some people do, and I know that you know some of the some of the private colleges, you know, independent colleges, and um, uh, um, Griffith College, I think, do you know prep courses or study courses that you can that you can take. Um, now I didn't do any of that. I took maybe a couple of weeks off before, and just um, and I did I did fine. Um, so again, I mean, it depends on on your own kind of on your own study regime how well you do with these things how well you cope yeah i think i think it's not it's not a case of taking a year off to study for them or anything like that people might take a month or whatever to just to, to go over and set up a study plan and again you know some people do pay for you know private grinds private tuition in in some of the private colleges and um, again not something i did i think probably most most people don't do that but the op the the, the, the option is there if uh, if that's something that i think you, you might want so then once you get through the entrance exams you actually start studying officially to to become a barrister and what is it that's what do you actually learn what's different from black hole say so i understand that the the um, syllabus might be changing or has even changed a little bit since i was there but fundamentally what you're learning um which is different from black hole i would say is you're, you're concentrated primarily on on procedure so 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 rules of court procedure so how um you know litigation actually actually works which is not something that you touch upon at all in um or you know you might touch upon it very briefly, um, but whereas in in your undergrad in college you'll be learning about you know substantive issues of the law, you know what the law of contract says on this, what the constitution says about um, that. Uh, in King's Inns, you're more concerned with what the rules of court procedure are, so how litigation actually works from start to finish, what a motion is, how you draft particular motions, how you draft pleadings, um, and you know the really the, the kind of the niche um, professional uh, information that's necessary to be to be an advocate and you do do some you do a kind of a refresher course at the start where you go over you know the the, the first principle stuff with respect to you know to contract law to the, to the law of tort um but primarily as i said it's it's about it, it's about the rules of of court procedure and um when i was there at least it was broken up in such a way um that you would kind of cover uh, 
criminal procedure and uh, uh, civil procedure separately. And in the currency of both of those uh, classes or those modules, um, you would also learn um, civil advocacy and, and criminal advocacy. And it's it's you know it's quite a different learning experience than it is in than it is in college. So it's not a big um, it's not a big lecture hall. They're very small uh, classes, maybe twenty to thirty in each class, and um, more 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 in the in the in the nature of a seminar. Um, you know, so you'd be broken up into small groups, and there'd be you know exercises to do. So we might do a negotiation exercise. We might do you know an advocacy exercise, uh, and so on and so forth. So it is it's much more. Um, you know, it's much more hands-on, I would say, in terms of uh, in terms of how it's how it's delivered and what's required of you. There's much more active participation in, uh, required in the class than there is in um, you know in a, in a university lecture. You graduated from King's Inns and then you went over to London to study a Masters of Law at UCL. Um, I guess there's kind of two questions there: what was your Masters and why UCL? So it was in um, international finance and banking law. Uh, which was just something I was generally uh, interested in. Um, it's something that isn't, or at least at, at the time, I think wasn't offered, um, wasn't offered here in Ireland, or at least it wasn't offered to the, you know, with with the degree of specialization that could be done over there. Um, so that was what I did, and I suppose the reason that I went over there, um, well, I suppose to answer the the first question is why did I do a master's then at all? I would say, especially um, if you're pursuing a career at the bar, it can be difficult, if not impossible, to take. The time out later on in your career to do it so i think you know if i if, if i had have gone straight from the ins down to practice i would have found it difficult to take uh, time out of my private practice to, to to well certainly not to leave the country um but even you know just to get the time off required to, to study something by distance could be difficult enough um so i thought you know if i want to go abroad i better do it uh, before i actually start practicing so I'll, I'll, I'll get qualified um as a barrister and then i'll do the then i'll do the masters and um while UCL, you know, always uh, performs exceptionally well in, you know, the university rankings tables for, for whatever that's worth. London is just, you know, great city, just, just an amazing experience, something which I'd recommend for, you know, anyone, anyone who, you know, can get the opportunity to go away in Erasmus or to study abroad. If it's something that you're interested in, I'd say definitely, definitely take it when you can. You know, I didn't, I didn't do Erasmus when I was in UCD. It was something that I was kind of, um, that I kind of regretted not having done. And I thought, well, you know, that, now is my chance to, um, to, you know, to, to, to move away for a little bit um but no again i i very much enjoyed my my time there uh, an amazing experience some great friends and thought the quality of teaching was absolutely excellent um i'm not sure to what extent it actually has helped in my, in my practice or in my professional career probably it helps a little bit in terms of getting the gig in trinity which we might talk about in a bit but um yeah but I, I, again i just think especially for a career at the bar get it out of the way while you can because your your, your opportunities um may be limited later on uh, in terms of getting the time off to actually go and, and do something like that. And I think there's always this worry among law students that they can't travel with their degrees. So, well, you said there that it wasn't really applicable, but is, you know, going abroad for a master's, do students have to worry about that not being applicable to the jurisdiction when they come back? Um, it's a good point. I mean, if you're going over to, to study in the States or something like that, and you're, you're learning all about American law, it may not be of um, direct uh, relevance to your um, you know, uh, professional life here once you come back. Um, I mean, my thing was quite it was quite international in in its application. So we were talking about you know broad principles of of you know financial regulation and banking law and the law of international investment arbitration and things like that. So it, you know it was something which 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 is which is useful and is is applicable here. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I suppose also having you know having having a qualification from from the UK or from the states or from wherever it might be, um, I think it is something probably which which employers would look favorably upon even you know even if you're not um, being you know considering a career at the bar if you want to be a solicitor or something like that if you have you know a, a degree from another from another jurisdiction it's obviously going to be going to be useful so you know the way I look at it is if I ever decide that I want to pack this in and go over and work in in London or in New York or wherever it might be well you know. I've got a degree from Dublin and I've got a degree from London, so it can't, can't hurt, I don't think. And would most barristers have a master's? Would it be kind of not required, but would it be an unwritten rule? No, there's, there's no requirement whatsoever. And I would say, I mean, it might be 50-50. Amongst my friends at this stage of my career, probably most don't. Um, I know some do. Um, and some did some did what I did and got the got the master's before they uh, before they went into practice, so after they had uh, qualified as, as a barrister, but before they had gone into practice, and, and then some did do it um, while they were in their first or second year in practice. Um, but uh, those who did do it uh, did it either in Trinity or did it by uh, by distance uh, elsewhere. So, you know, I think if, if you if you're if you're keen on actually having the the international student experience and being on the campus and seeing a different city or whatever it might be. Um, that's I think that's I think when it becomes difficult to do at a later stage. As I said, you can you, you could you could do it in, in Trinity or in UCD or whatever and still be in practice. It might be a bit difficult, you know, you'd have to manage your um manage your practice around getting to class and you know doing your readings and whatever it might be. Um and similarly you can do it, you could do it by distance. I suspect actually probably in the next couple of years that could be more and more common now with um with the leaps and bounds that we've made in the last year with respect to to online teaching and all that. Uh, it could be much more common actually for um for 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 universities to start offering um just start offering postgraduate degrees by and um, by distance where maybe they wouldn't have in the past so i know ucl didn't do one by distance but king's college london did um, and i was weighing up whether or not i should just do the the one by distance in king's and still be able to you know be on be on track here with a year of practice earlier but i thought no i might as well you know i might as well take the plunge and actually you know make them make the most of the year and enjoy it seems ironic that you're telling students to go travel um, in the current circumstances, but I know. Uh, sorry, all this all this advice is prefaced with the the the, the sincere hope that by this time next year or in a year's time, students will be able to go and, and travel again. You're speaking to someone whose exchange was cancelled, but I'm not bitter at all. Um, so you came back to Ireland anyway and commenced practice as a barrister. So forgive me if I'm getting the terminology wrong here, but is that when you completed your dabbling? Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, this is uh, the other thing which maybe students don't know or don't have a, a strong understanding of is just how just how the whole thing works in practice. Once you go down to the four courts or the CCJ uh, and you start uh, applying your trade, so um, the the first thing really to, to understand is that all barristers in Ireland are self-employed, and um, so we don't have a, a boss. We don't collect a salary from our work, um, and you know, excuse me if I'm being. Uh, you know, obvious or whatever when I say this, but I think maybe students don't understand it or think that you work in a in a law firm or whatever it might be, and obviously that's not the case. And similarly, um, and maybe more unusually, we don't actually have uh, chambers here. So um, where where most of the system is in broad parallel to that in the UK, this is one important area of of divergence really. So in the UK, they have a thing called barristers chambers, uh, which is basically just a group of barristers who get together. And decide to pool their resources, you know, to rent premises and to, you know, I'm sure buy books and, you know, put, run the lights and the Wi-Fi and the photocopying and all this. And they'll also have, um, usually my understanding is they'll have a, a person called a clerk who is basically in charge of administering the practice, the chambers, 
Uh, and there is some degree, I think, at least in the early years of you know, centralized division of work. So the idea that solicitors will give work to the, the chambers and it will be up to the clerk to divvy that up amongst the, uh, amongst the barristers. Um, so as a, as a, as a pupil, um, they call them pupils over there rather than devils, but as a pupil in the chambers over there, I understand that there is, um, you know, in effect work which is, which is handed to you by, um, by, your, uh, by, by, the, by the clerk of, of, your, of your chambers. Um, that isn't uh, the way it works here. That isn't the way it works here at all. And similarly, there's, there's a salary in most of the big commercial uh, uh, chambers in the UK. You'll have a salary or a stipend or something uh, as, a, as a pupil, um, which oftentimes can be uh, relatively, I mean, relatively lucrative. Um, you know, it's, it's not, um, it, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not just pocket money. It's, it's I mean, it's just the salary which would be comparable with, you know, maybe a trainee salary in, in a firm. Um, that isn't the way that it works uh, in Ireland. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a much different system. Uh, in the sense that in order to be a member of the law library, um, you have to complete uh, at least one year um, as a devil. So it's a, it's a mandatory year, which you must do, where you, in effect, um, shadow a, uh, a more established barrister. So they have to be, um, uh, they have to have been in practice for more than seven years. So you, you basically follow them around. You, um, you know, observe them when they um, uh, do their advocacy in court. You do advocacy on their behalf in cases that they um, might be briefed in, which they have handed, uh, well, not handed over to you, but which they have, you know, uh, given you to, to, to do. So you'll do motions for them on a Monday, for example. Um, you'll attend client meetings with them. Uh, usually, if they allow you, if the solicitors will allow you, you'll basically just go with them and do what they do, you know, do what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, Monday to Friday for um, for the course of the legal year. You also do usually research for them or drafting for them. Um, and that is all done uh, nominally at least uh, for, for free, so for nothing. So you don't get paid for that. Um, and it used to be the case that you would have to pay, um, well, it used to be the case uh, that, that there are fees which are payable every year to be a member of the law library. And in the first year they are, um, I, I don't know exactly offhand, but I'd say in the order of, um, of three or 4,000 euros. So you used to pay a, an annual membership fee and in your first year you have to pay an onboarding fee so it's like when you join a golf club you have to pay the you have to pay the admission fee as well and um nominally um or you know at least in theory it could be the case that as a devil uh, you would have to pay that yourself and then not get any um uh, money back by way of remuneration from um, from your master now that was changed uh, uh, i think two years ago um by a vote of the agm which saw strong support from junior members of the bar with the effect that now um, it is an obligation on the master to at least pay that and to pay um to pay some money for your uh your insurance costs so you have to uh, again as a, as a self-employed barrister you have to make sure that you're uh, insured that you have um uh, professional indemnity insurance and uh, that, uh, that, that is now all taken care of by your master in the first year. Um, now, having said that, uh, while that was, you know, maybe the worst case scenario in practice, most masters are actually very generous uh, and uh, they would pay that anyway. And they would pay you, you know, maybe some, um, some more money at Christmas and Easter and at the end of term. So um, it all very much depends. And this, I guess, goes to the heart of the question about, um, you know, have, having the knowledge before you go down or knowing who the, you know who the who the, the person that you want to devil for is making sure that you you know you have that connection or you've 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 chosen someone who's a who's a good person who's going to you know is going to look after you and is going to you know be able to um get you the right exposure and the right experience um to make sure that you have a, a you know a fruitful and successful career after you finish deviling but that is that is in practice what the first year is like 
Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of always a concern among students that there's, well, amongst everyone, that there seems to be this huge financial barrier um, to becoming a barrister. And realistically, you've mentioned some change there, but do you think that's going to change anytime soon? No, I don't think, I mean, that the, that the, I don't think that the fee structure is going to change anytime soon. Um, but I mean, in fairness to the law library, I think you get a pretty good deal for what you, for what you pay. So if I were to want to go out there and rent a, you know, desk in, um, you know, in, in Dublin city center, and if I was to sign up for, um, you know, a subscription for all the various databases, et cetera, et cetera, it'd cost me much more than what my annual subscription is. Um, so I think, I think in terms of the subscription fees, you get, you get good value there and it scales pretty well in the sense that it ascends according to seniority. So when you start off, you're on the lowest point in the scale and it moves up a little bit every year of practice thereafter. Um, I don't think that there's going to be any wholesale changes with respect to the, you know, the devil relationship. And I think you just kind of have to accept it for, for what it is. Um, you, it's, it's not a, it's not a get rich quick scheme. And um, that's one thing it definitely isn't. So you're not going to, uh, you know, you know, become a barrister and practice for a year or two um, and make, uh, make a fortune. You, you have to kind of reconcile yourself with the fact that in the short term, you will be worse off than all your friends. Broadly speaking, broadly speaking, you'll be worse off than all your friends who go and get training contracts um, in, a, in, a, in a law firm or who go off and do something else. Um, but the trade-off is the fact that, um, I mean, you enjoy, for me, it's, it's a great quality of life. You know, you're self-employed. Um, you, again, don't have, uh, you, you don't have, you know, um, to worry about, you know, taking time off, for example, if I want, if I need to go to a wedding or whatever like this, or if I need to, you know, whenever social life resumes and you can take days off, um, you don't have to worry about getting permission for that. You know, you can set your own hours. You can be as hardworking or as lazy as you want. But I mean, it, it is, it is, it is a great, it is a great profession. Um, you've got great colleagues and there's a real sense of collegiality at the, at the bar. That's something that, that they always, that they always hammer home. And the idea that you can always ask, you can always ask a colleague, um, you know, for help. If there's a particular specialist in an area, um, I've never once felt, um, you know, shy or afraid to, you know, to, to say to someone who's more senior to me, who has expertise in a particular area, listen, I've got this case or this issue um, that I think you would know about, will you please, you know, help me? And they will do that for you, no problem. Um, uh, you know, almost all of the time, uh, you'll never have any problem finding, finding someone to, to, you know, to, to, to give you a bit of advice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, as I said, uh, just to be, to be realistic about things, um, you're not going to be a millionaire at, at, you know, 23 or 24, whatever it is from your one year in practice at the bar. Um, but if it works out, if, if you've got a successful career, it's an immensely enjoyable, to mention it's an immensely enjoyable profession. And I mean, you know, it can be, it can be financially lucratively rewarding as well. Um, you know, once, once, once you've, once you've established yourself and once you've got the, once you've got the work coming in. You're obviously very passionate about it. I was talking to someone today who had done the whole barrister thing and they're a lot older and they said it's changed so much that, you know, this is an incredibly successful person. They said it's changed so much that they don't think they'd end up practicing as a barrister if they were to go back and do it. And it is competitive. You are self-employed. Um, many people who go to King's Inns won't end up actually practicing. Has there ever been a time when you doubted your career choice and said, oh, I could have just got a training contract? No, not yet. Not yet. I don't know. Maybe give me five Sorry more to be years. So pessimistic. To no, no. It's. I mean, it's. A, it's definitely a valid question. Um, uh, but I mean, I mean, my philosophy all along was: you have to be in it for. Um, you have to be in it for 
the long haul or at least the medium haul you know there's no point in and this is something i'd say to anyone who's coming down um there's no real point in you know setting out at the outset and saying well i'm going to give it one or two years and see how i get on because it really that really i don't think is long enough to to know uh, or you know to, to 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 find out um whether or not it is going to work out for you and, and i do have a lot of friends who who have left or at least some friends who have left at this stage um who have been you know only called at the same time as me so they're only in their fourth year of practice and they've already they've already called it quits um so uh it obviously doesn't work out for everyone but i think um if if it's something that you're passionate about i'm going to say maybe two contradictory things now the first the first of which is that if it's something that you're passionate about i think you should just give it a go um you know if if, if it's what you want to do if, if it's what you if it's what you aspire to be um i would say give it a go whenever you can um, so t- take a punt on it. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You can always go off and do something else. I mean, after three years, um, you can just apply straight away. And uh, I think with, with relatively minimal effort, be, um, be transferred to the role of solicitors. And there you go. That's, you know, no, nothing ventured, nothing gained. At least you gave it, at least you gave it a shot. Um, you know, similarly, you know, five, six, seven years, if it doesn't work out, you can go off and do something else. I mean, there are jobs advertised all the time in, um, the public and the private sector, which saying you know, um, solicitor or barrister, seven plus years um, PQE. So you know, if, if you if you have given it seven or eight years and it hasn't worked out, there are plenty of jobs which are there, uh, which you're going to be tailor made for, and you're not going to have you're not going to have any problem, I think, getting getting a getting a job after having you know done done your seven or eight years practice or even your three years practice, um, and you will have you will have unquestionably have had some really really fun days along the way, some really fun experiences. Um, so I think I think uh, I think yeah, give give it a go, um, if it's something that you're interested in. The other thing that I was going to say, which is maybe contradictory to that, is if for any reason you didn't give it a go, um, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to make a switch. Um, and there would be there would have been a lot of people with me in the King's Inns who were, um, you know, in their middle age or even you know in in more advanced years, people who were retired, people who were retired from the civil service, uh, or you know other other jobs that they'd been in for for, for a long time, um had got the BL degree and were then coming down um you know to 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 have a crack at the bar. So again it's it is never too late. Um and I will, I have a lot of friends who or at least some friends who have gone off um and um secure training contracts uh or you know had gotten jobs in other uh, in, in other industries and are, are deciding now um, that they want to that they want to come down that they want to have a, make a go of it. So there's no, I, 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 I would be loath to prescribe any one particular, uh, you know, path that is the correct path or the right way to do it because I don't think that exists. Um, I think you know whatever whatever suits you and your personal circumstances and however, um, ha- however you want to come to it. I think, um, I think there are people from you know so many different walks of life, people who have you know come to it from so many different ways, that yeah, just just don't don't be afraid to to, to make a stab of us. Um, I also just want to mention briefly the fact that you also tutored Trinity College uh, in land law and commercial law, is it? Yeah, land law and commercial law. Um, and I've been doing that now um, basically since I started in first year. Uh, just it was one of these flukes. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the other devils um, knew someone who was a PhD student in Trinity. And um, she was, I think, supposed to be teaching that land law class. And it fell through at the, at the last minute. And... Um, uh, and the lecturer needed. Sorry, it was, it was commercial law. Actually, was the first thing that I got into it was in the second semester of my first year at the uh, at the bar. And um, yeah, Deirdre Hearn, who's the the, the lecturer on that uh, module, uh, needed uh, re- uh, you know a replacement cover at the last minute. 
and I just responded to a WhatsApp message and got the details and, and, and got into it. So, um, yeah, that's something which I've really enjoyed. I, I do that now. At this stage, I do that more for the enjoyment than for the money. Um, but it was definitely very useful in that first year uh, just to have something, you know, you know, some you know, small income coming in. Um, but that does underline, I suppose, the need uh, in, in the early years to do something, um, you know, to have, to have something else on the go to supplement your income. Um, and uh, lecturing is one thing which people definitely do quite a lot of. That's one uh, popular thing to do. Uh, another, you know, more popular and, you know, um, uh, something which demands more time uh, to do um, is uh, discovery work. So this would be a, a big, um, a big earner for people in the junior bar in their early years. Um, so broadly speaking, it could be document review or discovery. So in the context of, uh, you know, litigation, a uh, discovery order might be made, which says, you know, certain documents have to be delivered up to the other side. Um, and depending on the complexity of the case, you know, it could be a million documents or something that have to be, um, that have to be uh, checked uh, and potentially discovered. So uh, an awful, an awful, uh, an awful lot of junior barristers will engage in this sort of work. So, um, Again, it can be, um, you know, it can be from as little as, you know, five to 10 hours a week. Some people might do, you know, 30 to 40 hours a week on, on particular weeks. So it, there is really a balancing act that has to be struck if you're doing that. Um, because it, the temptation can be there because it's relatively lucrative and because you might not be, um, you might not be so busy. Otherwise, the temptation could be there to kind of bite off more than you can chew or to do too much of that work to the detriment of your own, of your own practice, because you still need to be around um, you still need to be around in you know the, the vicinity of the forecourts uh, to do you know your actual your actual job being a barrister. My penultimate question seems a bit um, useless now because you've you've somewhat spent the whole interview just giving advice to aspiring barristers. But if you had to put it into one or two sentences, if I said give advice to an aspiring barrister, what what would you say? Um, sorry for having preempted your question and given so much useful <laughs> advice earlier on. Job easier. Um, well, something, one piece of advice I would give that I haven't already said is um, if you're a law student um, who's interested in a career at the bar, uh, go down to the forecourts or the CCJ as often as you can. Um, because, I mean, the I remember my time in UCD, the contact hours are fairly minimal. And, um, you know, you might not want to actually open a book and study on a particular day. But if you're interested in a career, uh, either as a barrister or as a solicitor in litigation, you know, go down to the forecourts, uh, you know, justice is administered in public. People maybe don't realise this, but you can walk into more or less any court in the land on any given day and see, you know, everything that's going on. Um, you know, obviously there are exceptions with things that are in camera, but those are, you know, the minority. Um, so all of the important, you know, litigation in the Supreme Court uh, is, you know, um, freely available for people to, to, to go in and sit down and watch, you know, real um, masters of their craft, advocates in work um, and, what you would learn from that is, um, you know, is absolutely invaluable. I mean, that forms part of, of the, of your education at King's Inns. You have to follow a very um, structured kind of uh, court timetable uh, over the course of the year. So, you know, certain days you will be sent down and just told to just go and watch and just see what's happening because that is how you learn. I mean, fundamentally, even in your, even after you're in the King's Inns in your first, second or third year of practice, um, you, you learn so much just by watching other people who've been doing it longer than you and um, who are more competent than you um and uh and yeah that's that's it it's just it's almost by osmosis you know and um, just just seeing how it's done uh, and watching them 
uh, watching them, you know, in, in, in full flow. So that's something I definitely give. Um, that's one definite piece of advice I'd give to students is if you're interested in it, go down and have a look at it. Um, because, uh, you know, you'll get more value sometimes um, down in the CCJ uh, watching, you know, a criminal trial than you will in um, Cineworld or the Savoy, you know, for the 20 euros, whatever it costs to go in and, and buy a ticket to some, to some picture. Um, you know, go down and just sit in on a criminal trial and you'll get, you know, if you're interested in it, you'll get just as much entertainment and it's totally, it's totally free and it might actually, um, you know, it might actually nudge you in the direction of, uh, of a career, which hopefully you'll take on and hopefully you'll enjoy. And then our last, our last uh, question is something we ask everyone who's on the Grad Life podcast, and that is, if you were to give one book recommendation. Well, the cliched answer here, I suppose, is say, go off and read The Secret Barrister. But I read that and I actually didn't, I actually didn't think much of it. I thought it was a little bit too prosaic. It was more like reading, it was more like reading a, a, a you know, student's uh, college essay. Um, I mean, it's, it's a perfectly fine book, but um, it's not something, it's not one that I would recommend. What I would recommend uh, is a book um, on broadly the same uh, topic, I suppose. So it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a semi-autobiographical, uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fully um, autobiographical story uh, about a, uh, a, a criminal barrister called Alex McBride. The book is called Defending the Guilty. And it was a book that I read when I was in, um, in sixth year, I think. Um, so it was probably recently released at that stage. So it's, I'd say about 10 years old now. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, uh, it, it touches upon all the same um, issues that the, the guy in The Secret Barrister, well, it could be a girl, whoever, whoever he or she is who wrote it, uh, touches upon uh, with respect to um, uh, you know the underfunding of the criminal justice system and all the, the flaws that go along with it. Um, but the stories are just, are, I haven't read it now in a while, but I remember the stories being just hilariously funny, very well written, um, and really something that makes you want to, you know, makes you want to pursue a career uh, at the bar in a way that I think probably the secret barrister doesn't. I, when I, I read that very recently, and I thought if I was reading this, you know, as an eighteen or nineteen year old, I don't think I'd actually find this particularly interesting or um, enticing as a career but reading defending the guilty um which is the the alex mcbride book um i thought yeah this is this is for me although obviously now i don't do any criminal uh, law at all um which is another thing we didn't even touch upon how long yeah. have we been talking probably an hour and we didn't even touch upon that distinction um uh but yeah that's maybe a topic for another uh, for another for another class but yeah uh, another another interview but yeah def defending the guilty that's the one i'd, uh, I'd recommend well, thanks, Samuel. The interview has, it was meant to be about you and it's kind of turned into you just giving advice to law students, but that's, I guess, the whole idea of it. Uh, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks for having me, Isabel.